Jalen Johnson put together another elite performance on Sunday against the Detroit Lions. And now when it comes to his offseason contract negotiations, his price tag is going up. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter, at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, at Locked On Bears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use our promo code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. On the show today, we look at a strong stretch from Jalen Johnson, continued on Sunday against the Detroit Lions, and what that means for his price tag, as he says in an, in an interview, like, yeah, before I wasn't looking at resetting the cornerback market, but now I'm looking to reset the cornerback market and the price tag just keeps going up. We'll use that as a jumping off point to talk about more from what we saw from this Bears defense against the Detroit Lions, including a new formation, a new wrinkle in this Bears nickel defense to give the Lions something a little bit different to have to prepare for and adjust to over the course of the game that gave Matt Eberflus some more flexibility. And I also want to talk about what we saw from Justin Fields, who, after the Green Bay Packers struggled on Monday Night Football, I think Justin Fields was the best quarterback in the NFC North this weekend, but still still room for improvement there. And I wanted to make sure we're sort of looking at both sides of it for Fields. But let's start with Jalen Johnson, because Jalen is playing like maybe the best player on the Chicago Bears, the best player in the defense, best player across the roster. I mean, really having himself a strong stretch of the season right now that could not have come at a better time for him as he enters free agency so far this upcoming offseason. The Bears, he requested a trade. The Bears declined, well, gave him the option to seek a trade, declined to trade him, did not sign him to a contract extension up to this point. I believe they still can. They want to during this regular season, but that number keeps going up as he racks up more interceptions as he has more games shutting down opposing receivers and looking like that dominant number one cornerback in the NFL. We know he's up to four interceptions this season, a career high for him. He only had one in his career coming up before this season, but he's playing really well in really all facets of his game. You know, he does a uh, weekly interview now on uh, 670, the score in Chicago. I don't, I don't have the, you know, the rights to play the whole clip of the interview, but to paraphrase, essentially he said, yeah, like, Earlier in the season, when these negotiations were going on, you know, I maybe have not my, my circumstances wasn't to where we were playing and showing everything that we were capable of on tape. But, you know, since then, playing really, really well. And he's like, you know, people said I couldn't intercept the ball. Well, now I've got four of those. You know, I'm holding on to these interceptions. I'm, you know, shutting guys down in coverage. I'm tackling. I'm playing in run defense. He's like, I'm, I'm doing everything that you could ask of me. I'm showing you that I can do everything. There's nothing more for me to like prove to you other than to just keep doing it. And so, yeah, that is, that does mean 
I'm going to need more money and I'm going to need to reset this cornerback market because I'm playing like one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. Again, like paraphrasing, I didn't say it exactly like that, but that's basically the message to Ryan Poles is, hey, man, you didn't want to pay me before. Well, the price went up. You you gambled and you decided that I wasn't worth whatever we were talking about at that time. And I've played a lot better ever since. Not even a lot better, but it's just been more productive ever since. Because he's always been a good cornerback and he had some good games early on in the season. But like against the Lions, two targets, zero catches, one interception, a 0.0 passer rating against him. Uh, last game against the Vikings, five targets, two catches, four yards, a pick and two pass breakups with a dropped interception in there. Like he has been dominant as of late. He's not missing a ton of tackles or anything. He hasn't missed a tackle in either of the last two games. He's doing everything you want from him. And that's the kind of thing that is going to get you paid. And sure, I'm sure some of it can come from, you know, getting a better pass rush. Helps the cornerbacks play more aggressive, not to have to cover as long, not be put in as many difficult spots when the quarterback has all day to throw. There's certainly a relationship there between Jalen Johnson playing better and Montez Sweat playing better and giving the Bears a better pass rush across the board. Like, yes, those things are related. But if it was that easy for cornerbacks to play this well when you got a pass rush, everyone would do it. Like, sure, his level of play goes up as the level of play of players around him go up, but his level of play is at the level of elite cornerback play right now. And there aren't very many players that play as good as he does with or without a pass rush. And so he deserves all the credit in the world for what he's doing and also is then going to have a much more... I think, justified position to demand more money when those free agent contracts end up coming around. Like right now, highest paid cornerback per year, Jari Alexander with Green Bay is at $21 million a year. Denzel Ward is at $20 million a year. Jalen Ramsey's at $20 million a year. Marlon Humphreys is at 19 and a half and starts to you know go down from there. We're looking at a $20 million a year cornerback in Jalen Johnson right now. Like that's what he's playing like at this moment. And that's what he's going to be seeking if, if he hits free agency or if the Bears end up using the franchise tag on him. And I think before we were wondering, you know, is he in the $16 million range, the $17 million range, the $18 million range? Now we're, we're pretty clearly up in the 19, 20, 21, 22. You know, if we talk about setting the cornerback market, becoming the highest paid corner in the league, and then and everyone kind of builds off of it from there, that's the range we're looking at for Jalen Johnson. And does that make it less likely then that Ryan Poles will pay him. I mean, I think Ryan Poles had some questions about how much he was worth when you weren't getting the interceptions and there were durability injury concerns with Jalen Johnson as well. And he's, which he had earlier this season even, but has stayed healthy since. And I think if he finishes out the final four games of the season playing at this level, somebody's going to pay him that money. And maybe that'll be enough for Ryan Poles to say, all right, you know what? Kudos to you, Jalen. You did it. You showed us what we wanted to see. Here is your reward. We'll see. We haven't had really seen Ryan Poles have to go through this exact kind of situation before. He's willing to pay players. He's willing to pay Montez Sweat a lot of money. It's not about being tight with the pocketbook. It's about trying to be smart with the checkbook and making sure that if you're going to invest a bunch of money in someone, it is the player that you are certain that you're going to get and the player that you want to really be that invested in. Jalen Johnson is playing like a player worth that much investment in. The defense as a whole also playing a lot better. One of the NFL's hottest defenses over the last handful of weeks with another strong performance against uh, Jared Goff. I want to go through one of the new defensive wrinkles. The Bears really trotted out a lot more against the Lions in this game and a couple other notes from watching through the All-22 film of Bears-Lions next on Locked on Bears. 
The Locked On Bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at Game Time, the fastest and easiest way to get tickets for all of your favorite live events. Comedy shows, theater, music, concerts, you name it, plus live sports, all on the Game Time app. I went to Bears-Lions this weekend at Soldier Field, and I was looking at all the different prices on Game Time right leading up till kickoff. I think the cheapest I saw it get down to was just over 100 bucks to get into Bears-Lions. But right now, the next Bears home game is Cardinals at Bears. They got $35 tickets right now for that game because the Cardinals aren't that good, and it's a cold-weather game. But if you've never been to a Bears game before or just want to get to Soldier Field, you can sit in the upper level for 35 bucks. You can sit in the lower level for like 100 bucks. Really cheap tickets right now. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use our promo code Locked On NFL to get twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem that code Locked On NFL for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. The Bears defense obviously played well against the Detroit Lions. And I was curious to kind of get into rewatching the all 22 film because when you're watching it live, certainly in the stadium, especially, you know, you're not always, you're not, I'm not taking notes in the stadium. But regardless, going through the all 22, I was hoping to kind of get a better sense of what was working so well and why this Bears defense, you know, what allowed them to play so well. Why did it work so well against Jared Goff again? And I think some of it was Jared Goff just not playing well, missing throws, making poor decisions at times. A lot of it was the pass rush making him uncomfortable. We know that, that that's something that's been a problem in Goff's career. Like every quarterback's worse under pressure, but quarterbacks like Goff are especially worse under pressure. And so that was definitely part of it because the Lions were running the ball well over the course of that game, right? Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery both over averaged, I think almost, I think over six yards per carry and had a couple of nice breakaway runs in there that were like gashing the Bears run defense. It was a little bit of a surprise to see the Bears struggle as much as they did against the run, but it doesn't, matter as much when your secondary is playing really well, covering, communicating, staying on top of everything, and your pass rush is getting after the quarterback, and the quarterback's not playing well. So they, yeah, they can get their rushing yards here and there, but that wasn't enough to score on drives. And especially when your offense then, as the Bears are, are also then scoring, so the other team is behind on the scoreboard, so they can't just run the ball the whole time, right? You start to take the running game out of it by situation, even when maybe they weren't stopping the run as well as we've come to expect from this Bears team. But one of the wrinkles that the Bears put out a lot more against the Lions, and I don't think this is like the first time all season that they've done it, but it is the game we've seen it done the most. It was a variation on their nickel formation, right? It wasn't like new players per se, but the alignment, the formation, the defensive front, going to more of a, at times they would sprinkle in like what looks more like a, a wide 3-3-5 three, three, nickel defense instead of the more like traditional, you know, 4-2-5. You know, right, as it is right now, of course, you know, the Bears in a 4-3 defense, four defensive linemen, three linebackers. When you go to nickel, you take out one linebacker, bring in a defensive back, and so you still have your four defensive linemen, your two linebackers stand behind them, and then your five DBs are, are kind of with them, right? We've seen that what that looks like a thousand times. When with the wrinkle the Bears would do here is they would take their four defensive linemen and shift them over. So you're, you're one of your defensive ends would essentially be an outside linebacker. It was often unique in Gakwe would step up on a two, like two, two-point stance outside of the tight end as an outside linebacker. Your three other defensive linemen would be a nose tackle right over the center 
and then two like four eye technique defensive tackles like just inside of the offensive tackles. So like a really tight three defensive linemen right in the middle of the offensive line. And then your your edge rusher as a stand-up outside linebacker. And then TJ Edwards would come from the off-ball linebacker spot and walk up to the outside linebacker on the line of scrimmage position. So you would have five guys up on the line of scrimmage, essentially like three defensive linemen and two quote-unquote outside linebackers. But those two quote-unquote outside linebackers were Yannick Ngakwe, and sometimes other players, and then TJ Edwards, who was always the other linebacker who would walk up. Didn't mean he was blitzing every time and rushing the passer like a true edge rusher, but you essentially have five guys on the line of scrimmage, and then Tremaine Edmonds would be the only linebacker off the line of scrimmage. So it'd be, it'd be kind of like a 5-1, if you think about it that way. It's still They would still call it a 3-3-5, but if you think about it functionally as like five guys on the line of scrimmage, one guy off the line of scrimmage, and then you still have your five defensive backs behind them. And what it allowed them to do is, one, you know, it's more of like a, it's more like a 3-4 style of front in that regard. So it's different blocking rules for the offensive line, especially in the running game. But then also, because you only have three down linemen and you know two standing up guys on the edge, you have more flexibility as far as who pass rushes and where they come from and when you blitz where guys might go. Like when TJ Edwards was at that outside linebacker spot, it was 12 plays out of like 60, I think, in this game. So it's not all the time. But it's a nice little mixture in there. Out of those 12 plays, he passed, he blitzed four times. He dropped back into coverage four times. And the other four were runs. So it was never always clear what his role was going to be. But we saw Enique Ngakwe drop back into coverage a, few, like a time or two. Demarcus Walker dropped back into coverage a time or two. Demarcus Walker also played nose tackle in that front. He literally played everything from the widest defensive end to nose tackle right over the center. And he dropped back in coverage. Like That is versatility on the defensive line. And all of that is a lot harder for quarterbacks and blocking schemes to figure out what the defense is doing, where they're coming from. Because then there were a couple of times they blitzed off of that, right? Where, okay, TJ Edwards is dropping, but Tremaine Edmonds is blitzing up the middle and Jaquan Brisker is blitzing up the middle, right? And so like, you're not getting guys coming from the edge, but you're kind of overloading the middle with the three defensive linemen and then blitzers coming behind them, right? It just gave them a lot of different ways that they could be flexible and moving different defensive linemen around. Like there was one play where it was like your three interior guys were sweat, Demarcus Walker at the nose and then Justin Jones at the other like three, four and spot. And then Ngakwe outside of him, like they would just really move guys around all over the place. They did it with different formations. At one point they had Rasheem Green as the other outside linebacker. And they had Zach Pickens at the nose tackle, Jervon Dexter as one of the def- the other defensive tackle defensive ends. And then I don't remember who the fourth player was on that line. If it was, I think it was Justin Jones still on that play, but I don't remember. He essentially had like three defensive tackles on that play. It was just a lot of different stuff for, no, it was DeMarcus Walker was the other one, but not at the nose tackle anymore. And and so it wasn't like it was a specific package for just these four players, right? But it was like a different front that they built into it. And a couple times they checked to it, right? So the Lions would come out with, you know, three receivers or whatever, and then they'd motion a tight end in, and then then the Bears would shift and get to that 5-1 type of front. So then the offensive line has to adjust, like, oh man, all these linemen are different spots, another linebacker come down, like, okay, what's our new rule? So, like, it was their response to the Lions shifts to try and keep keep them uncomfortable and not in the looks that they wanted to get. So it was a fun game of chess to watch Matt Eberflus and and Ben Johnson kind of go back and forth formationally uh, with, with this new sort of, I don't know if it's not a brand new wrinkle, but, like, a fun little wrinkle that we saw a lot more that they seem to like in this Lions matchup in particular. Also noticed Jervon Dexter in particular, since I mentioned his name. Boy, man, he's still he's playing really well. He is, especially as a pass rusher, he's getting he's disruptive, man. He's getting in the backfield. He's creating a lot of pressure. And to me, with, with Dexter, it doesn't feel as much like a, 
okay, Montez Sweat is making all these guys get easier matchups, and so that's why they're winning. Like, that that certainly helps. But, like, to me, I'm seeing Jervon Dexter win one-on-one matchups, right? And and Montez Sweat doesn't, isn't necessarily meaning that— It wasn't like Dexter was getting double-teamed all the time before Sweat, and now that Sweat here, he only gets one-on-ones. But, like, to me, it seems like Dexter is doing a lot to just— win his matchups. Whereas by comparison, like Justin Jones got to the quarterback twice against the Lions and that was really it. And it felt like both times it was a little bit more of like, I don't, I don't want to discredit him in the way of by saying like cleanup type sacks, right? But it's, but it's plays where other guys are kind of getting some disruption there and moving the line around, moving golf around a little bit. And then it's Jalen Johnson who kind of finishes a little bit more. And like that to me feels like more of a guy benefiting in that situation from Sweat and the other pass rushers playing well and him being able to take advantage of that as opposed to Dexter being someone who just seems like he's just purely by himself playing better and also getting some benefit from everybody else, but also just playing better on his own. And that to me is really encouraging about how we've seen him kind of come along and develop throughout this process. So excited about Dexter. Really looking for, really like this new nickel wrinkle. Curious to see if they keep doing that or if that was kind of a Lions-specific matchup that they liked for some reason, but we'll keep tabs on that one moving forward. We'll also keep tabs on Justin Fields, always checking in on what this quarterback is doing, as are the Bears, closely evaluating and trying to decide, keep him, draft the quarterback, trade him, what do you do? I thought this Justin Fields performance was a lot more of the same than I thought it would be. Like When I watched him live, I thought it was a great game, and when I watched it back in All-22, it was a good game. But it felt like about as good as the previous games we've seen for Fields. Like, it seems like we've kind of seen Fields reach this level, right? It's a better level right now, but maybe it's, I don't want to say plateaued, but settling in at this level. We'll kind of go through what that looks like and where he still needs to get better next on Locked on Bears. The Locked on Bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at DoorDash. DoorDash is a great way to get all of your favorites delivered right to your door to enjoy in the comfort of your home especially on game day when you want a meal, you want a snack, you need more snacks for your game day gathering, you run out of pretzels, you run out of popcorn, you run out of wings, whatever it is, DoorDash can bring them right to your door. You can order before the game, order at halftime, order after the game, whatever you need, DoorDash will bring it right to you. Then you don't have to miss a moment, you don't have to leave your house, don't have to go out in the cold, don't have to deal with traffic or parking or anything like that. Let DoorDash take care of it for you, especially because DoorDash can take care of it by using your local restaurants in your area. You can support local businesses without having to even leave the comfort of your home, all with DoorDash. Check out DoorDash for yourself. You can get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order. You just download the DoorDash app and use our promo code LOCKED23. Again, don't forget that promo code LOCKED23 for 50% off up to a $10 value on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and spend $15 or more. Subject to change, terms apply. No doubt Justin Fields played well against the Detroit Lions. Justin Fields had a good game. He's put together consecutive good games now, really since he came back from injury against the Lions the first time and against the Vikings and now against the Lions again. He's playing very well. And this, and I don't want this at all to be like a, we're criticizing Justin Fields and saying he's no good. Justin Fields was the best quarterback in the NFC North this weekend. Jordan Love struggled against the Giants. Jared Goff struggled against the Bears. The Minnesota Vikings we're in a three nothing football game. Like Josh Dobbs got benched for Nick Mullins. Yeah. Like Justin Fields was unequivocally the best quarterback in the NFC North this weekend. He's unequivocally playing well and playing a lot better. The Bears are still in a difficult situation where 
okay, Justin Fields is playing well and playing better. Is that good enough to pass on one of the rookie quarterbacks? That alone is a separate conversation. But when, but when, when you start to evaluate that question, right, you kind of have to nitpick a little bit then when it comes to Fields because you really, the question is not, is he good? Is it, it's, is he better than the alternative? And so when I look at Justin Fields' performance in this game, some things stood out in the positive. Some things stood out as still need to see better from him. And we haven't really seen all of the progress in that area, even since he's been back from injury. So thought he read progressions very nicely, went through reads, found open receivers, got to his checkdowns, largely a very, very well done there. It was, it was fun to see him process well and kind of know where to go with the ball. And credit to this Bears offensive line as well. The, they picked up the Lions blitzes very well. Justin Fields had time to throw, and it makes a big difference. This was the first game all season where his average time to throw on plays he was blitzed was longer than on plays when he wasn't blitzed. Because you might normally, normally it's blitz is coming. I got to get rid of it quicker because pressure is going to hit me and I need to move the ball. And there are fewer players in coverage. So you, there's more, more of a propensity to throw it more quickly. In this game, the Bears picked up the blitz so he could stay in the pocket and throw or escape the pocket more easily. It wasn't a lot of unblocked guys coming free at him. Happened once or twice. Got sacked on at least one of those where Roshan Johnson misplayed it and did not pick up the, the linebacker. And I, I was a little disappointed in Roshan Johnson's pass, pass blocking in this game as a, as a subtle aside. But I also thought Justin Fields did a really good job. And, and Dan Campbell actually said this after the game. I meant to pull the clip and, and don't have it for you here. That J J uh, Dan Campbell said that Justin Fields scared him more in this game because the growth he's seen from Justin Fields is like now Fields is keeping his eyes downfield more when he scrambles, right? When when the pocket is breaking down and he escapes it, in the past he was pretty quick to tuck it and run, and now you're seeing him really still keep his eyes downfield and still tuck it and run sometimes, but still looking more and more and more for that play downfield. Like all of that is the kind of stuff we wanted to keep seeing from Justin Fields, and it's an important part of his growth as a quarterback. And especially watching it live at Soldier Field, you can really appreciate the electricity of Justin Fields. That stood out to me right away. It was like, whoa, it's it's fun. It's exci It's more exciting to see it in person than it is to watch it on television. I mean, obviously, like, that sounds obvious, but like he looks faster. It looks like a bigger play. It looks like a bigger deal. It looks what he does looks so much more difficult when you watch him do it in person than on TV. Like it really is exciting to see. I mean, it, it's it's hard to describe the difference, but there's something visceral about like watching the chaos and him somehow escape from the pocket. And you're like, holy crap, how did he do that? When on TV, it, it, I don't know, it, it almost feels more routine that way. However, going back through and watching the All-22, where you can slow it down a little bit and rewatch it over and over and kind of see everything you need to see on every play, he's still late on anticipation throws. Like he still isn't getting the ball out early enough on some of the throws that he does throw. There, there are times when he's making the throw more difficult than it needs to be. He's risking putting the ball in harm's way, or he's limiting the amount of yards the receiver can get after the catch because the ball gets there late where the receiver is breaking on his route and Justin Fields needs to throw it so that the ball is on its way when the receiver is going into his route. And he waits that half a second, maybe even 0.3 seconds, but it's like, it's just enough time where the defender makes the catch that much more difficult because they can get closer because the ball is a little bit later. Or the defender's that much closer to tackle the receiver right away so he gets fewer yards after the catch. Like, there was that play to Darnell Mooney 
at the right sideline where Mooney catches it, slips the guy, runs upfield for like 30 yards. If Justin Fields is one-tenth of a second later on that throw, it's a pass breakup, possibly intercepted, incomplete pass. Like that was a late throw. It was the closest it could possibly be to being to, to being an incomplete pass to still be caught. Like when you watch the replay and you really slow down, it is like fingernail the DB misses that ball because he's late. Throwing. Like if he just throws throws that ball earlier, there's no risk. There's no nothing. Like that play turned out great, but there's, there's another play later in the game where he throws it late to Darnell Mooney, the deep one on the far sideline, and the DB gets there because Mooney was open earlier, but Fields looks at it, sees it, pauses for just that beat, then decides to throw it. And in that pause, the receiver gets that much less open, and it ends up being an incomplete pass because he, he's not anticipating it quickly. Like, he's looking at it, but he needs that extra half a second to confirm it with his eyes instead of, like, trusting that it's going to be there and throwing to a spot. There was a throw to, to DJ Moore that he threw with good anticipation to that left sideline. I think it was in the third quarter, about 15 yards downfield or 10 or 15 yards of field, or was it right, right around the line, right around the first yard marker? Like there, there was one where he threw it as he was coming out of his break. Like he can do it. He has thrown those anticipation type throws before. He just doesn't do it nearly enough. And I, I think he got lucky a few different times. Like there was one in the end zone to DJ Moore that was broken up. If he throws it earlier, it's probably a touchdown. Goes incomplete. And if he and he it was almost intercepted. I think he got away. He got away with a couple in this game where they're not turnover worthy plays by PFF definitions. They're not like interceptable passes, but they're not. They're not what they need to be. And like, you, if you're trying to decide between like, it's not the question. Again, the question is not like Justin Fields, is he good or bad? It's, is Justin Fields as good as these rookie quarterbacks? It's like, well, if you think that rookie quarterback makes that throw and, you know, I mean, that's, again, we're not, I'm not here to make that argument right this second, but like, that's the kind of process that Ryan Poles is going through. It's like, okay, Fields is playing better. Fields is playing good. Is he playing as good as the alternative? Is this the best option between the two for the Bears? It feels like yes, and when you watch him in person, it sure makes it hard to say no. But you go back through the game, it's like, yeah, he he just needs to anticipate those a little bit more. And and is he going to someday, or is this? Are we seeing the limitations of Fields? Because it feels like again, like the Fields we saw against the Lions in this game, it's kind of the same guy we've seen the last couple of games. Like he's playing a lot better, but we're not, I'm not seeing the improvement in the anticipation. You know, he, he took a sack or two in this game that he shouldn't have. Like that's still a a problem, not a huge problem, not enough to lose the game, right? These are not like detrimental issues that say he's never going to be a good quarterback in the NFL. But again, these are flaws that go into the evaluation of comparing fields to your alternative quarterback options. And over these last four games, I really want to see, like, is he just going to stay at this level? Like he's playing at a good level right now. In the last three games, he's been about there. Over these last, over the final four games of the season, can he go even higher? Can can he can he throw with more anticipation? Can he avoid some of the sacks? Or does he finish the final six games of the season all at this good level? That's where it becomes a challenge with, with fields. And that's where there's a lot to like. And there's so much like. And it's it's tough because it's like bird in the hand of, of like fields is something good. How good? We don't know. But something good. Rookie quarterback could be even better. Rookie quarterback could be even worse. Like, do you get rid of something that you feel like is that we're pretty sure right now is playing like a good enough quarterback? But it's good enough versus the possibility of great or good enough versus the possibility of bust. Like, you hate to move on from Fields and get a quarterback that sucks and is worse. And you God, wish you still had Justin Fields, right? But that's that's why I, I don't envy Ryan Pauls and why these last four games will go a long way towards giving you a little bit more confidence either way in that decision, depending on what Justin Fields and this Bears offense does. You can be sure. 
we'll keep very close tabs on Fields and this Bears offense over the last four games of this season right here on the Locked On Bears podcast. So make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming back as we continue this week, we'll have Crossover Thursday with Locked On Browns. We'll put together a game plan to try and beat the Browns. We're playing pretty well right now. It'll be a tough matchup and a good test for the Bears. A lot to get into as we preview that matchup all throughout the week. So come on back for that. And of course, you have to come on back for your next opportunity to bear down.